Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities, and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. All right, this is July. Half the year is gone. Uh, different interesting things happening. And in this month, we want to start talking about rising above. Rising above. You know, you are not under the circumstances. Never use that phrase. Under the No, we are not under the circumstances. The Bible says you shall be above and not beneath. So we refuse to be under the circumstances. Even if you go down, stay there for a very short time and bounce back. As a child of God, you're designed... You're designed to rise. You are designed to rise. You're not designed to stay down. If you find yourself down, just know you're acting contrary to your true nature. I'll repeat that. If you find yourself down, you're acting contrary to your true nature because you're designed to rise. You're not designed to stay down. Come on, people. Do I have some saved people there in your house? In your living room? Make some noise. By the way, even in through rest month, people have been getting saved. Uh, I don't know how. It's an anointing. 146 people the last time I checked got saved last week. 146. My goodness. That's in a pandemic lockdown and nothing. 146 people got saved. You two can preach the gospel. There are people in your phone book. Right now, they need Jesus. So you pick the call and make an evangelism phone call. One of our friends who, are, who, went, who has since gone to be with the Lord, uh, Omwembe, he, the founder of uh, Christ Prosperity Ministries, if he never had a wrong, this thing of someone calls you, Haji, Haji, and you're like, wrong number. No. For him, there was no wrong number. If anyone called him accidentally, he would immediately start preaching the gospel to the person. And that's how he got many people saved. Even though he had a car, he used to take a taxi to work to, so that he could preach in the taxi. And yet he had a car. That's the kind of passion that's going to change the world. Hallelujah. But let's talk about rising above. Rising above. The Bible says that this light affliction which is but for a moment is working for us. Is working for us. In 1996 please mark you that's 96 not 86. In 1996 I was in senior 6 that rhymes. <clears throat> I was in senior 6 and I was going to do my final exams and I'm the last of six children, that rhymes also. This is 96, I'm going to do senior six, and I'm the last of six. The challenge was that the mock exams had mocked me badly. Based on my mock results, mock results, if you're watching us from out of Uganda, there's this thing where you do national exams, everyone does the same exam to determine whether you go to uni or which one you go to. Back then, there was only Macquarie University. Uh, Chambago was not yet a university. They, I think, had just started Mbarara University, and the other university was Islamic University in Uganda. And it was very unlikely I was aiming there. And uh, so, being that my mother was a widow and had many of us to take care of, there was no way I was going to go to the university on universe on the tuition that you have to pay. So my only opportunity was a government scholarship and so I had to pass. Now I applied for a complicated top, what is it called? Course at the time, I never called it a topic. Uh, the Department of Architecture had been running for only I think four years at the time and they used to take very few people. So I applied for architecture in spite of my mock results because my mock results should have advised me to change course of choice. But I applied for architecture and I, I, was, I said, let's do this. I mean, yeah, I will prepare. I will, I will figure it out. 
Just when it was time for me to figure it out, my mother passed on. Two weeks to the exams, two weeks, I remember it very well. They picked me from school. I was totally distraught that I've, I've had a few sinking moments in my life. That was one of the major ones. So I went buried and I went back to school and now the, the games were on. I had, to de- <laughs> I had to decide whether now really my destiny was finished in terms of education, career advancement, name it, or whatever. So I decided to put faith to action. I got two books, which three. I was still a bit emotionally destabilized, so I wasn't doing normal prep the way other guys do prep, that stuff of reading until 2 a.m. But I would go to, the cl- I would go to, to class at 6 o'clock every morning, and I would sort of go through questions until around 7.30 when we had assembly. And, God, and I prayed. I said, God, you have to bail me out. I would also go to the chapel and pray. I was like, this is it. I'm finished. Even mom is not here. So I'm done. And God came through big time. Big time. Hectic. Big, like, I've never... Th- Look, I've seen miracles, but you know it's so funny when the greatest miracle you have ever seen involves you personally. So no one has to convince you. I've seen miracles, but that was a significant miracle. Going from being one of the poor performers in class. I used to be a bright kid, but when I went to high school, things just changed. It was so tough. Math was tough. I got all in mocks. Yeah, I'm talking about when I tell you mocks, mocks me, don't think we are talking about a C here. O in math, which was the pr- principal subject to apply for architecture, and E in physics, which was the other one. But anyway, I prayed, I put action to my faith, I went and revised the little that I could in spite of my emotional condition, and the exams come, and I sat, and the last day we did general paper, I'll never forget that day because my sister had come for me from school. I left the exam room and I was going down to my house. This is Busoga College, Muiri, Nadiope house, if there are any Nadiope people. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I know Dr. Tussauds Brewer, so, and there are many supporters around. And then I remembered that I had left my jacket in the prayer room at the chapel. So I went to pick my jacket from the chapel prayer room. So it was in a basement because we used to pray not softly. So I go in, I pick my jacket off the hook, and when I got out of that room, I felt like almost physically. I can't put a word to it. It wasn't like a hand pulled me on anything, but I can't put a word to it. Like, I've had God direct me in life, but I think that's the hardest sort of spiritual yanking I've ever got in my life. I felt almost as if physically someone just pulled me back into the room and told me, give thanks. I wasn't that mature in in God. But I don't know. I don't know what happened. Because I ran out. I was going to go to have my sister. Almost physically, I felt as if a force pushed me back into that basement. And I prayed the thanksgiving prayer. And I went home. Went through VAC. And then the results came. I had my name on the radio. Those days, radio included... Radio Uganda. <laughs> huh? I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. BBC, okay. So I had my name on the evening news. I, I don't know. I just thought, was that my name? I had what properly sounded like my name. And you know the problem with radio, you can't rewind. 
the next morning, I, I went and took a taxi and went to town. And I bought a newspaper. And my name was in that paper. And I'd been the fourth best in the country. Up to today, a piece, that newspaper piece of 1996 is in my wallet to remind me of the goodness of God. What care we? Yeah. So, I have seen what it means to sink and to rise. What it means to sink and to rise. And I don't know how you relate with that story. Everyone has their own sinking and rising stories. That's why you're still alive. Bible says that a live dog is better than a dead lion. As long as you're alive, it means that something is still working out for you. It doesn't matter how much trouble you've seen. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18, and says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. He says, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Yeah. You know, right now, we are going collectively through a situation that is going to tell you to lose heart. And for some people, it's worse than others. You see, if you get to the company of complaining, it's about who has the biggest complaint. Yeah, everyone is trying to make the other one feel like you are having it easy. Do you know what's going on with me? Yeah. No, 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 no. Get out of there. He says we do not lose heart. We do not fall apart. We do not fret. We don't despair. We are not pining. We are not grumbling. Do we have cause to? Yes. There's a lockdown. It's a pandemic. Businesses are losing money. Couples are fighting. Children are struggling to study. People are stuck at home. And it's like, it's time to fear. It's time to lose heart. People are losing loved ones. One of my friends, he lost his dad. It wasn't due to COVID. And then lost a sister due to COVID. I've been hearing people who have lost multiple, one of our pastor friends, his wife, his wife's brother passed on while the mother, while the, the wife was in ICU. And then two days the mother also passed on. It's like, it's too much. But he says, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. In other words, the state of our hearts is a function of us, not the circumstances. The state of Moses' heart has nothing to do with what's going on around me. At least when I think about it. Temporarily, we are designed, God designed you to survive. So if you hear something loud or you touch something hot or you see something that looks scary, you are designed to fight or to flee. That's a survival mechanism. That's an automatic reaction. Okay, so if you hear bad news and you, you cry, weep, all of that, all that is automatic reaction because if you don't cry, actually it's not good for you. Yeah, because tears wash the soul. But after that simple quick reaction, there is what we call recovery. You have to quickly recover and start focusing on who you really are and assess the situation. It's a bit like if you are walking and you by a pool and you accidentally slide and fall in the water. Initially, you might panic a little bit. Okay? I mean, you just fell in water. Especially if you don't like bathing. But, so there, there is, and it's expected to have a little initial reaction. But after a few seconds, and there had better be few, you quickly compose yourself 
and settle down. Stop kicking and, and, what, and drinking water. And start assessing, where am I in this? Which side is up? <laughs> Which side is the pool floor? What do I need to do to start floating? Because you know what? The water is already designed to push you up by itself. That's why there are swimming competitions where you see people on top, not down. Yeah, for those who have even a little bit of swimming experience, you'll know that it is much harder to stay down than to be on top. Those guys who swim from one side of the pool to the other, or, or next near the floor, those are the real seniors. Yeah, because automatically you're designed to float. It's so hard to, to swim underwater. But if you're there kicking, what splashing, you're going to stay there and drink water. So the idea is to quickly compose yourself, get calm and figure out where are we now. Which side is, is up? You see, in life, that's the most, one of the most important things. <laughs> Always assess which side is up. Which phone call, if I made now, represents up? Which person do I need to talk to who is up? Hallelujah so funny to preach without an audience where the audience is at home especially if you are used to people shouting back at you you see life is life it's a matter of you see in life it's a matter of when not if you will catch trouble it's a matter of when yeah yeah it's a matter of when Look, <laughs> planet Earth has trouble. Yeah. Solo is cooking up trouble. Even for the most righteous of you. Yeah. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Psalm 34. But the Lord shall deliver him from them all, not some of them. And righteous people have many afflictions. <laughs> That's David. Yeah, Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Verse 19. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. What? So if you've been going through some afflictions, <laughs> don't doubt your righteousness. Because some people they think the presence of trouble is the absence of God. No, 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 no. The writer says many, many. When you find, ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus says, in this world, you go through many what? Trials. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I have over, that's Jesus. I have overcome the world. He, he promised it. It's as if like, Jesus, are you serious? Don't say such things. How can you be there telling us that we are going to go through? Yeah. He, does, he, does, he wants to be truthful. God is truthful the whole time. He will tell you. Yeah. John 16, 33. He says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Where do you have peace? Inside. In me. In him. In him. And he says, in the world. Instead you'll have tribulation. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm... I'm preaching better than you're listening. In the world you have to, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. In him you have peace, in the world you have tribulation. You see, the purpose of a boat is so that you don't swim. If you're on the boat, you don't have to be in touch with the water. Even though the boat is in the water. Even though you're surrounded by water, <laughs> even though you're surrounded by water, if you are in a boat, Water doesn't have to touch you. You only touch it by choice. Hallelujah. Woo! It's time to rise. 
above. It's time to rise above. The writer of Proverbs says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. In other words, there is such a thing as the day of adversity. Look, even if you listen to what kind of preacher who tells you such things will never happen, they are lying. They are lying. Me, I've been through life. I've lo- I lost my dad. I lost my brother. I lost my mom. And I've seen quite a few things. I've lost church members. The worst day of my pastoring life is the death of it into diet. I remember exactly where I was taking a prayer walk when the message came to my phone from her husband. That's when it occurred to me that I was a pastor. Yeah, that's the day it hit me. You're a pastor. I was like, huh? 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 A person I've been preaching to has died. Huh? What, what, what happened? Are you with me? So there's such a thing as a day of adversity. And this lockdown might present quite a few. Yeah. It can be something. You see, the thing about life is it's not what you think the experience should be. It, it, it is about the perspective of the person going through it. Life is more perspective than reality. Reality is not real to everyone. Yeah, reality is not real because your reality is different from my reality. And your reality is not where we... Your reality is simply how you are perceiving life. You see, if several small insects all fall on an elephant and then they go and give a report... The one that fell on a trunk will say that good thing is hard. It's like a rock. Yeah. The one that fell on a, on a, on a, on a, on the tail will say the thing is roundly small. What what what? The one that fell on a tummy it will be like it's endless. There is nowhere to go. It will say I pulled out my telescope and all I could see were big hairs. Yeah. It it it, it depends on where you fall. So reality is not real. So when you've been married 18 years like me, there are some things that to you are like, give me a break. Yeah, but a person who is anxious about getting married and they're about to propose, it's like heaven and earth. It's like, you know what? I don't know whether Mars will collide with Venus and then Saturn will join us and we'll all die. Yeah, that's how it feels like when you're you're in love. Like even your brains don't work. Yeah, you, you're just thinking you don't sleep. What you're like, you're like get, get out of here. Just proposing is a, a task. No, because you've been in it for so long, you forget how critical it was that time. I remember the first night, time I was knifed, I thought I would die. Yeah, if you don't know knifing, that's when you think you've got it together, and then you talk to the girl, and she's like, You want to marry me? How? Yeah. Hey. Yeah, from the site of knifing where I was knifed to where I found my next place of solace and conversation and a cup of tea. I don't I don't recall how I moved from one place to where I was going. I have no recollection of exactly my my I think I, I sometimes think I may have experienced the Philip phenomenon of just being translated. <laughs> yeah, but my friend was sharp, sharp knife. <laughs> he just got out and there's the blood everywhere. Now I look back and I'm like, <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Do you ever think about if you could, what would have happened if, I know this, is, this doesn't apply to some people, but there are some people, you think about life with the person you first wanted to marry, the first, the first person you first fell in love with and the person you first had some, a thing trying to go with, and, and you look back and say, God is faithful. Yeah. God 
is faith. What? I could have ended up with that answer. And yet at that time you thought you were going to die. Yeah, because they have knifed you. And now you're happy with the one you are with. So, it's about perspective. So when the day of adversity comes, don't faint. Apply inner strength. There is nothing that can happen to you that God has not already given you strength for. I say, be strengthened in the inner man. Amen. Hallelujah. So he says, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. This is Paul. Paul admitted that our outward man is perishing. And moreover, I didn't say my outward man. So he included you. Yeah. He says, our outward man is perishing. I don't know if you ever go back and look at some of those pictures from five years ago. <laughs> from ten years ago. Yeah, outward. <laughs> our outward man is perishing. But he says, our in, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Yeah. The inward man, there is a constant state of renewal. Woo! Yeah. You see, when you walk with God, you feel alive every day. You feel alive every day. Doesn't matter how old you are. There are some people who are young, they have energy, physical work, but they are dead inside. They are depressed. They can't smile, they can't sing, they can't celebrate. They walk around like this. As if they are 87 and they are 27. Don't let that happen to you. Look, no one can help you with that. That one, you have to help yourself. If you don't stir yourself up, you'll sink to the bottom, my friend. Every dead fish swims downstream. Yeah. Our inward man is what? Being renewed day by day. Ask yourself, some of the people you see on this broadcast, how can they feel and look so alive? More alive than people in their 20s. Hey! It's the inward man! It's the inward man! Look, my mission is to know God more and more every year, more than I knew him the year before. The year I go to heaven is the year I will know God the most ever. Yeah, that's why I read my Bible every day and pray every day because I'm accumulating spiritual capital. Yeah. The year that God calls me to go to heaven, I will have the biggest revelations of him. My ministry will be at its best. I will have the most money. I will help the most people. I will have the greatest wisdom. Yeah. Nothing like any previous year being better than, the, uh, than the, your current year. Never let any year in front of you be better than any year behind you. Yeah. Mama, mama, mama. In case you just joined us, this is Worship Harvest, and we're talking about rising above. Rise above it all. Hallelujah. 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 Second Corinthians 4, 7 to 10 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Where is the treasure? Earthen vessels. The vessels are earthen, but they carry treasure. The vessels are earthen, but they carry treasure. Let me ask you, what are you more aware of? The vessel or the treasure? Because that will determine what you do. Yeah. If you're carrying a laptop bag and it has a ream of paper, it's different from carrying a laptop bag with a MacBook Pro inside it. On the outside, they are both laptop bags, but what matters is what's on the inside. A guy 
carrying a laptop bag with a ream of paper is not going to be as careful as a guy carrying a, Mac, a laptop bag with a MacBook Pro. Now, on the other hand, if you're carrying a laptop bag with five words, that's W-A-D, of $10,000, of, of, of $100 notes in 10,000 packs each, in other $50,000 in a laptop bag, you will not take a taxi. You will not take a taxi. On the outside, they're all laptop bags. But what is inside determines how the person who's carrying the bag behaves. Some of you, you don't know what you're carrying. That's why you sleep around. That's why you sleep with people you're not married to. You don't know what you're carrying. That's why you hang in the places you hang. You don't know what you're carrying. That's why you complain the whole time. You don't know what you're carrying. That's why you're careless with your life. You don't pray. When you know the value of what's on the inside, you carry the bag differently. This bag here has value on the inside. Ah, ah, hallelujah. It says we have this treasure and earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And then it says, we are hard pressed on every side. Can you imagine? It's one thing being hard pressed on one side. <laughs> hard pressed on every side and it what? Yet not crushed. In other words, apply all the pressure you want from every direction. There is no crushing. There is no crumbling. You know, you probably haven't thought about it. Do you know a Magalo? Pliers. When you put something in that Magalo, like a nut, you know, cashew nut, something. And then you press. That's what I'm talking about. It cracks. Yeah. But if you put a diamond, oh. if you put a diamond, I, can I tell you what's going to get spoiled? The pliers. Yeah. The pliers will get spoiled. Some of you, some demons are on hospital beds in the demon world. Because they dared come to your place. Yeah, the, dev, the demon went back, told the devil, I know, master, but you can't send me back to the Biamanzi household. You can't send me back to the Okulo household. You can't send me back to the Chirabo household. You can't send me back. Those people, when you attack them, you get hurt. Says we are perplexed but not in despair. <laughs> Never become desperate. Mm -mm. Perplexed, yes. As in confused, like what just happened there. But not desperate. Next verse, he says, he says, persecuted, but not forsaken. Ah. You see, when you're going through trouble, the temptation is to feel abandoned, forsaken. Like, where are my friends? Where are the people in my phone book? Where are my family members? Where are my workmates? My friend, there are certain things you go through where not even your spouse can help you with it. Yeah. There are certain things you go through where not even your spouse can help you with it. You just have to look to God. Say, oh Lord, you're my God. It says, struck down but not destroyed. Why? We have bounce back ability. We have bounce back ability. There is much more to us. There is much more to us than meets the eye. Yeah. That's why fasting is a mystery. Fasting is a mystery. You'd think when you're going through trouble, that's the time to eat and have energy to deal with it. No. Martin Luther King, the great, the great, great civil rights leader, if you, have, if you haven't read any of his stuff, you can't read it. There's this biograph I read of MLK, and he, t 
he talks about all the times when they were thrown in jail in Birmingham and all those other places, arrested, when they had to face dogs, like trained dogs that have been unleashed on them to bite them. And you know what they would do every time? They would fast. Yeah. They would fast for days in the jail. Because their thing was non-violence. And they knew if they, are, if they have eaten and their flesh is up, they are not going to be able to sustain non-violence. They will be tempted to, to strike back, to retaliate. So they fasted. Yeah, like when people talk, you see that's a problem with the world's media. They take a story like MLK and they take everything that's of faith, the prayer, the fasting, it's, they wipe it all out and we just hear about Martin Luther King, what great civil rights leader. What methods did he use? He was a man of God. They fasted so much. It's amazing. It's amazing. Fasting is amazing. Because you'd think now that we are going to be having problems, let's eat and get ready to fight. No, it doesn't work like that. There's so much more to you than meets the eye. Outward man is perishing, inward man is being renewed day by day. Let me quickly go to verse 17 because even the clock is as if. He says, for our light affliction. Oh my goodness, Paul. Paul, 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 Paul. For our light affliction. Ah! What have you been going through? You've called them no, my friend, you don't know what Paul went through. We'll read about it soon. But one, he takes all his problems and summarizes them in one word affliction. Not afflictions. One. And then he calls it light. You know how people can know that you've gone through a lot, then they come to commiserate with you, but they tell us. Small car problem. Yeah. Car problem, small, small. Paul calls it a light affliction. And then he says, this light affliction a moment. <laughs> it's for a what? It's for a bit. It's for a flash. It's for a minute. It's for an instant. It's for a jiffy. That's for Dr. Emma Okulo. A twinkle. A wink. Can you imagine? It's for a moment. Let me first talk about that light affliction, which is for a moment. There's so many times the Bible says it came to pass. The reason it came was to pass. The only trouble that lasts is what you let into your heart. Everything else passes. The only trouble that lasts is what you let into your heart. Everything else. The only pain that still exists is what you allowed in the heart. Otherwise, whoever hurt you, the incident passed 20 years ago. But you have suffered for 20 years because you let the incident into your heart. The only pain you carry around in life is the one you let into your heart. All else ended when the event ended. I'm not making light of what you've gone through in life. I'm not making light of the abuse you have suffered but we have to ask ourselves now that the abuse has happened which way is up we are in the pool which way is up which side is the light coming from and I want to urge you to start swimming upwards don't keep drinking the water because of the pain so the only pain 
that lasts, the only trouble that lasts is what you let into the heart. So Paul calls it a light affliction. Do you want to know some of Paul's light affliction? This one, affliction. Give me Second Corinthians 11, 20-28 in uh, the Passion Translation. In the Passion Translation, I'm preaching better than you're listening. Actually, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. Let's, let's, let, if, if you are with me at home, let's read together. Are these super apostles of yours Hebrews? I am too. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? Me too. Are they servants of the anointed one? I am beside myself when I speak this way, but I am much more of a servant than they. I have worked much harder for God, taken more beatings, and been dragged to more prisons than they. I've been flogged excessively, multiple times, even to the point of death. Hey! Can you imagine? Flogged? How? Excessively? Multiple times to the point of death. Next. Five times I've received 39 lashes from the Jewish leaders. That sounds very ordinary to you, but if you go research on it, there is the 39 lashes, which are not designed to leave you the same. Three times I experienced being beaten with rods. Once they stoned me. Three times I've been shipwrecked for an entire night and a day I was adrift in the open sea. In my difficult travels, I've faced many dangerous situations, perilous rivers, robbers, foreigners, and even my own people. I've survived deadly peril in the city, in the wilderness, with storms at sea, and with spies posing as believers. I've toiled to the point of exhaustion and gone through many sleepless nights. I've frequently been deprived of food and water, left hungry and shivering out in the cold, lacking proper clothing. And besides these painful circumstances, I have the daily pressure of my responsibility for all the churches with a deep concern weighing heavily on my heart for their welfare. And he calls it a light affliction. How does yours compare? How does yours compare? Now, what's interesting though is Paul is not here to tell us about his problems. He's here to tell us what is happening. He says, this light of, which is but for me, what does he say? He says, it is working for us. In other words, it's laboring to produce results for us. That's what work is. <laughs> Can you imagine your problems are at work? Mama, mama, braha, reke, zete, ke. Hey, sheke, bobo, Somebody pray in the spirit. Mandiri, baba. Hey, it's, it is working. It is working for us, for me, for you. It is laboring to produce for us. What is it producing? A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. My goodness, this is heavy. Far, in other words, much, significantly, notably, extremely, incomparably more Hmm? exceeding, superior, surpassing, exceptional, prodigious, and eternal, undying, unending, endless, timeless, perpetual weight, load, mass, bulk, heft of glory. I think that's why James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. If you knew what's on the other end of that problem, you would start praising God. You would start celebrating. You would know that the, hey! He didn't bring you this far to kill you. <laughs> He's working for us and exceeding glory. Now, most human beings don't understand glory. 
since the days of Adam, glory is the mystery. So the only way to talk about it is to talk about something that is human and common to man in order to understand what glory is. Glory is the opposite of shame. Every human being has faced shame. So that thing you felt when you felt shame. When someone said something to you and you felt shame. When you looked in the mirror and felt shame. When you stepped on that wing scale and felt shame. <laughs> when you walked out of that office and felt shame. That feeling, yeah? If you have the power to imagine the opposite of it, that is glory. He says in Psalm 42, How long, all you sons of men, will you turn my glory into shame? They are opposites. Proverbs 3 35. He says, The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. Because wisdom is the opposite of foolishness, you can tell that the results are opposites. Wise glory, fools shame. Hosea 4 7 says, The more they increase, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. They are opposites. So I know it's so hard for you to think about glory, so I have to get you to think about shame, so then you can think about glory. But God has glory in mind for you. Jesus said that the glory you have given me, I have given to them. The enemy wants to bring shame. All the temptation is about shame. All the trouble is about shame. It's all about shame. Let me tell you, you might be saying, me, I, I've never done anything wrong. What, what, what? I, I'm not sure I have the whole shame thing going. No, 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 you don't know. You have no clue. Let me, let me unpack for you one area of shame that you have never thought about. Do you know that one of the hideous, hidden, insidious sources of shame is orphanhood? Yeah. yeah. I remember exactly where I was in P3 during break time in the football field at Mutai Church of Uganda Primary School when I got the image of my dad dying. And a few months later, I was shot dead. And then it was in December. So I go back to school in P4. And I don't know where the shame came from. Like, your dad just got killed. And somehow you are ashamed that you are an orphan. Let me tell you, all the people who have experienced orphanhood, you probably have never even thought about it. But orphanhood surfaces shame from a certain place in hell that you, don't, you have never probably known. Did I tell you that glory is the opposite of shame? Give me Proverbs 17, 6. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. That's why people are looking for fathers today. People are looking for fathers. It doesn't matter how old you are. Lacking that covering unleashes shame from places you don't even know. That's why people who have grown up with their parents all their lives, like Pastor Angela, there is a certain confidence they have that you can't explain. And you, you don't know why you, are, you keep falling apart at certain points of the conversation. It has nothing to do with whether the parents were very intentional, which I'm sure for her they were, or not. It's just the whole idea of father absence just starts letting shame streams come into the picture. Yeah, I've just opened up something for you that you probably have never thought about and that probably explains your current behavior. 
The glory, of, the glory of children is their father. The absence of fathers unleashes shame. It says, this light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. But it tells us how that works. It's about the focus. It's about the perspective. What I was talking about, reality is not real. It's your perspective that is your reality. Your perspective is your reality. Everything else is not real. Lockdown is not real. It's your perspective which is your reality. He says, while, while, verse, verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Where is your focus? Where is your focus? Where is my focus? Wow. My focus determines my glory. He <laughs> says they are working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we do not look. No, this is not when you go to heaven. No. <laughs> this is now. It's about the focus. Your focus determines your glory. Did you know that one of the biggest sources of shame for human beings is their bodies? But do you know that your body is temporary? Your spirit is eternal. Hosanna. Hosanna. You guys. Of course, when you think about things which are eternal, that supreme thing that is eternal is the word of God. It's the word of God. It's essential. When they say the things that are not seen, the things which are eternal, essentially when you sum it up, all of it, it's really the word of God. Hebrews 11.3, as Pastor Angela and B3 start to come. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen, the worlds, were not made of things which are visible. In others, they are made of invisible things, the word. So it's in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him and without him was nothing made that was made. Jesus is the word. Here's an interesting thought I, I thought about this week. No, last week. Physical things lose value over time. There is something called the law of entropy. Anything left itself tends to decay. It's just natural. That's why in business there is something called depreciation of assets. Physical things lose value over time. But here is what's very interesting. Spiritual things gain value over time. That's amazing if you think about it. Every promise God has given to you, a hundred years from now, it will be much more powerful than it is today. Spiritual things gain value over time. Physical things lose value over time. Spiritual things gain value over time. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. Physical things. But my words will by no means pass away. Spiritual things. Do you know that every investment in the natural, however good, loses value over time? That's why every decade, the richest families on earth keep changing. Yeah. Somehow, people are not able to carry it to the next generation effectively. The people were the richest families in the 1700s. You don't know about them today. In the 1800s, you hardly know about them today. The ones you know today, the Bill Gates of this world, in 50 years from now, no one will, they, it will, you will need to do research to know about them. Because everything of the world is always losing value. And yet, 
a simple promise that God gave to Abraham that his children would be blessed ensures that regardless of what goes on, over time you have more and more wealth being moved to the Jewish nation. Here. Yeah. You can't explain why Jews who are 0.15% of the world's population make up 11% of the billionaires. In 2018, five of the top 10 wealthiest Americans were Jewish, 50%. Because of a word that God gave to Abraham, it gains value over time. You and I, we are investing. Where is my focus? Bible says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Pastor, Pastor B3, come. Let's get this service done. To be spiritually minded. In fact, come, come. Come. Both of you are lovely, wonderful, beautiful wives of amazing husbands. So none of you lacks confidence. Yes. Okay? So, in this example, one of you has to be the flesh, one has to be the spirit. I can be the flesh. You can be the flesh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it says to be carnally minded, to focus. Okay, assuming she's, she's a very spiritual woman, but let's say flesh. Mm. To focus on the flesh mm. is death. You experience the effects of death, pain, depression, what? No, look, it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond. Wow. Because everyone is going through an event every day. Yeah. Every day is an event. Life is in session, yeah. it's not a rehearsal. But it is about response. But it says to be spiritually minded, to look at your spirit. Mm, what is in your spirit? Mm, the word of God. Mm, it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 17 that, that he, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He said the words I speak to they are life and they are spirit. To look at your spirit. Even when news is coming in, the, the other auntie has died. The other person is like this. Mm. Hey! Hey! Oh. God gave us a word that there will be outbreaks of healings. And I, I have stood on that word to say no single person in worship service will die of COVID. None. Zero. Amen. But you know, you can hear people, they are losing loved ones. They're There is a word. There is a word. Be spirit. Focus on the word. Yes. Don't focus on the news. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Your spirit is world to world Holy Spirit. Your flesh is your flesh. Every bad report you have ever received pertains to your flesh. There is not a single report, whether from the taxman or the doctor or the accountant or the lawyer or the boyfriend that has to do with your spirit. There is only one report to do with your spirit. It is the word of God. And in it, he says many good. He says, by which have been given to us what? Exceedingly great and precious promises that through this we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the world, the corruption that is in the world through us. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts whose mind is stayed on you, spirit. That's where the peace is. This side is turmoil, death. As I finish, Proverbs 4.8. Proverbs 4.8. He says, <laughs> but the path of the just. Ah! Yes! Come on! The path of the just is like the shining sun. It doesn't say when there is no lockdown. It doesn't say in the absence of COVID. No, 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 no. No matter what. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. In other words, every day of your life is supposed to be better than every previous day of your life. My question to you is, what is your next step after this message? What is your next step after this message? I want you to pick your phone and write your next step in your notes up. This is the next thing I'm going to do. 
as I talk to you, God is talking to you. He has already instructed you about your next step. Take action. My next step. And then write it down. Pastor B3. Wow. What a word today. Rise above. And, and as always, the very first and most biggest miracle that we invite you to at the end of every sermon is the next step before anything else is to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's it. He's the one who gives you the capacity to rise above every storm. Otherwise, then the focus is on the other side of the flesh which leads to death, decay, deterioration, and not knowing what to expect where you don't know what tomorrow brings. But in Christ Jesus, we are sure of the future. And I want to invite you into that life right now. There are so many people watching today who are giving their lives to Christ today. I don't know what you've been told before, but today the, the light came in. The light came in. The light came into your heart. You saw what it means to be in Christ Jesus. It's a place of hope, a place of light, a place of love, a place of real direction and purpose in life and I want to give you that opportunity right now okay a very simple thing that you're going to do you're going to put that hand up just put your hand up alone surrounded it doesn't matter this is one of the most this is the most important decisions decision of your life to reconnect with your creator to connect with him and be a son and a daughter so put that hand up boldly yes boldly and pray this simple prayer after me say Lord Jesus today I come Receive me as your child. Thank you for dying for my sins. I leave all of them with you today. Past, present, and future. I leave the burden of my sin with you. And I receive your robe of righteousness. Today I am a child of God. I am not an orphan. I am not forgotten. I am not unlovable. I am a child of God. Thank you for accepting me. Today I am born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are born again. Your life has completely changed. Please help send us a message on this number 0775-642449. If you're outside of Uganda, it's plus 256-775-642449. Send us a message. Let us know you've made Jesus Lord of your life. We want to walk with you and help you make sense of what has happened. Today I know that the Holy Spirit is dealing with shame a lot. Shame, shame, shame. There are things in your life that have happened that have caused so much shame. Another category of people altogether. And God wants today to take away the clock of shame from your life. Because shame is, makes you powerless. It deals with things in your past that you can do nothing about. You can't go back and undo, but you can move into the future. And if that's you today, I just want you to go ahead and just put your hand on your heart right now. And start declaring, I receive glory. I receive glory. I receive glory. Just start to refuse shame. I don't know what it is. Someone, you had an abortion years ago and that thing has kept haunting you. You feel like there's nothing you can do even in, in ministry because of that one bad decision. God does not hold it against you. He wants you free. You are loved. Every sin is wiped away by the blood of Jesus. Yes, whatever it is, a lot of, of sexual sin things that God wants to deal with today and give you glory for shame. Receive his glory. Receive his forgiveness that he already gave you. Receive being a child of God that is loved in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Don't waste the pain. Don't focus on the flesh. When you focus on the flesh, it's death. God is saying, don't waste the pain. How are you going to do this? There's someone specifically who has held on to unforgiveness. You've held on to unforgiveness. You've even said, maybe God will help me, show me. And, and, and God is saying, by holding on to unforgiveness, you're working with the pain that was served to you. And he's saying, don't, don't hold on to that pain. Don't waste it. Allow it to work for you. Allow it to work for you. To glory. God wants to bring you to glory. Forgive. 
forgive. The word I keep hearing is someone you've been abused sexually and you're holding on to it, you're saying, you know, the person must suffer. No, 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 no. God wants to take you out of a place of shame into a place of glory. Remember what Apostle Moses said, it's not what happens, it's how you respond. And for this particular person, your response is forgiveness. Someone else, God is reminding you that you are precious. You are precious. You are precious. I, I, was, seeing, I, I was seeing a picture that what you're seeing I sing like a picture of rugs and rugs and rugs. Remember when Apostle Moses said in the bag there might be newspapers, papers, or there might be a, 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 a MacBook. So I, I got a picture of like rugs and inside there's diamonds. Like when you open like that, it's shining. It's shining and God is saying who you are is what is really on the inside. Finally. Apostle Moses has kept asking us to do the internal work. And I felt today while he was teaching, just a reminder to let you know to do the internal work. To focus on the things which are unseen. Yes. The spiritual things. Focus on the things which are unseen. And three things came to me. Pray, read the word, and write a book. And the Holy Spirit was saying to me that books are an outside expression of internal things. So pray, read the word, and write that book. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for all our brothers and sisters who are watching us right now. Thank you that you're the God of restoration. I rebuke every sickness of every kind, every cancer, every COVID infection, everything that is contrary to the word of God and command it out of your life. We rebuke shame. Shame, you don't belong. We speak glory, 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 restoration, miracles. Amazing miracles are breaking out. Amazing miracles are breaking out. You will testify. Yes. You will have a testimony. You will have a testimony about it. So we thank you, Father. We bless you. Thank you, friends, for joining us. Even as we conclude this service, you are blessed. God sees you blessed. God sees you made whole. God sees you mended. God sees you healed. God sees you restored. There's nothing wrong with you. Whatever happened to you doesn't have to define the rest of your life. You can rise above today and walk in authority. In Jesus' name. Amen. for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.